Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I, I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni. Mary heard Jesus' voice. She recognized it when he called her name. It's curious that she didn't recognize his voice when he first spoke. Perhaps it was her expectation getting in the way. What she had had always been told was true. In spite of the teaching of Scripture, and regardless of Jesus' instruction, in the face of two angels questioning her, <laughs> she could not get over what everyone else said. A million voices shouted, once dead, always dead. And she couldn't get past it. But only for a moment. <laughs> After all that shouting, she did eventually there hear his voice. But how do we hear Jesus' voice? I mean, we've never heard it before. Not like Mary had, Jesus with vocal cords. <laughs> so how do we learn to recognize God's voice if we've never heard it? How do we know it isn't Satan, Satan's voice trying to trick us? Or is it maybe just our voice <clears throat> trying to get what we want? <laughs> or maybe it's Satan using our me issues or our pride issues to deceive us. How do we know we are hearing God's voice when we pray? We make our requests known to him just like he said. So how do we know the answer is from him? And sometimes, sometimes when we pray, God says, in effect, Ah, oh, I have desired that you should be concerned about this enough to pray about it for some time. In fact, this is such a great idea, you go ahead and do it. <laughs> That's, sometimes he says that. But sometimes he says, finally, I have desired that you should trust me with this for some time. Stop trying to handle it yourself and stand by and watch me handle it for you. So, how do you know which is which? <laughs> uh, why is his voice hard to hear sometimes? How do we hear his voice 
instead of our own, which is <clears throat> too easy to hear. How do we hear his voice instead of those uh, Satan and his messengers? Oh, how do we hear his voice if we haven't listened in a long time? Well, first, let me assure you, you can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you belong to Jesus, you can hear his voice. And how do you come to belong to, to Jesus? Behold, I stand to the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Jesus initiates contact. We only have to respond. <laughs> and then we will belong to the one who is truth. Jesus said it to Pilate. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Again and again, Scripture says we can hear Jesus' voice. And we'll, we'll get back to some specifics concerning listening to his voice in a moment. But I don't want you to forget that we are at war. A very quiet war. No bombs, no gunfire, nothing to hear. But Satan's attacks are real. And Mary knew this. During Jesus' ministry, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Guess who the first one that gets mentioned is? Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Whoa. Seven demons, Luke tells us, had possessed her, screaming at her before she first heard the voice of Jesus. Now, Mary Magdalene, she understood spiritual warfare, okay? She knew that this is a spiritual war. Paul explained it like this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Divine power to destroy strongholds. Spiritual strongholds. This is a spiritual war. Peter, Peter lived in the midst of terrible persecution I was going to describe some of it to you, but I thought it was too much. But you can understand why he warned, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Some of us have experienced this violent, direct, frontal attack. And it helps to know that the true church in every country is suffering and resisting as we are. And these kind of attacks, they really do feel like blows to the body. They feel like that. But they are simple. They're straightforward. There's no question. <laughs> they were burning people at the stake for following Jesus when Peter wrote that. And nobody, nobody had to ask, 
do you think they like Christians? <laughs> no, there was no question. It's terrible. But I'm going to tell you, this is not how we generally encounter Satan. Paul gave this chilling warning. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Whoa. He usually comes in sheep's clothing, wolf though he is. Earlier in this same letter, Paul pointed out that what I have forgiven has been for your sake in the presence of Christ so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. We. It was common back then to use we as a polite way to refer to oneself. Didn't sound like bragging that way. And, you know, was Paul doing that? Don't know there. Whatever the case, we need to be aware of Satan's efforts and designs. He wants to destroy our Christian life. Our Christian witness. He wants to destroy us. He can't, but he wants to. You know, but how? How, how does he work? Well, we're going to look at the context of that warning that Paul gave us about Satan's disguise for kind of a scary truth. And what I do, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Our greatest threat is not from blatant sinners and their blatant persecutions. The end of these people is obvious and sad. Satan's most effective servants wear clever disguises and can very easily lead some astray. Christians can be led astray. Led astray by those pretending to give Christian instruction. This is why Paul warns so strongly, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. This is the totality of Satan's plan to deceive the naive. To get them to leave the right path. To cause division. Create obstacles to good, helpful Christian living. It's a, so don't don't fall for it. <laughs> don't be naive. And remember, God will crush Satan. Paul told the Roman church, "Under your feet." I think that extends to us. Don't forget what he will be. And pay attention and test, as John wrote. We won't read it today, but test every teaching. So. So how do we test other people's teaching? How do we do that? Well, before we can understand that, we have to understand one other truth, which is our natural state. 
Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. So far, so good. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Agreed. But, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, what it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, what it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Hmm. <laughs> Don't be deceived. Anybody here remember the comedian Flip Wilson? Oh, yeah. I love Flip Wilson. He was funnier than I'll get out. He'd put on a wig and this frumpy looking dress and he'd give us Josephine. <laughs> Funny character. And she'd constantly get caught doing or saying some wrong thing. And when she'd confronted, she'd always say, Oh, the devil made me do it. <laughs> you know, just, it wasn't my fault. The devil made me do it. And I'd love to, to, to pass on the blame like Josephine. The devil made me do it. It wasn't my fault. But the truth is, it was funny when Flip said it, precisely because we knew it was a silly excuse. There's no excuse. <laughs> Everybody knew it was Flip's character that was guilty. And the truth is, everyone succumbs to Satan temptation because he offers what we want. We like the look and feel of the apple. <laughs> ah, and we desire to possess what is not ours to possess. Because that's what we, in our natural, selfish nature, want. And so we listen to the voice that we should not have listened to. I should say, we did listen to that voice all the time. <laughs> all the time. And yes, we can fail and listen to the voice sometimes even now. <clears throat> but now we are of the truth. And it is the voice of God we want to hear. We want some voice training. You do know that when you take voice training, the first thing they do is have you listen. Listen. Voices. More voices. And that's what you listen. That's the first thing you do. We want to learn how to listen to God's voice. Like Mary heard Jesus' voice. Have you ever wondered why Mary got to be the first to hear Jesus' voice after his resurrection? She was the first one to hear Jesus' voice after the resurrection. Mary, out of whom seven demons were cast. Why not the disciples? Why weren't they first? Why not his mother? Why didn't she get to be first? Well, I think it's because Mary made the effort to do the right thing even when she couldn't hear his voice. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. They followed Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus so they could know where Jesus' body was laid. And then on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Well, it was still dark. She made the effort to do what was right, even when she thought there was no way to hear Jesus' voice. And so she was in the right place to hear his voice when he did speak. So what about us? What are right places for us? If we want to hear Jesus' voice... We have to be in the right place, yes? 
So we'll start with the obvious, you know, church. <laughs> and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Get and give encouragement. Remember that every good and perfect gift is from above. And of course, you recall that God is love. I mentioned it today, but we usually do. So if we come to church and some of the folks stir us up to love and good works, would it be fair to say that we are hearing the voice of God through them? Is that fair? Here's a great way to get a tingle up your spine. Think about this. If you are moving others to love and good works, you are being the voice of God. Okay, technically we're echoing his words. That might be better. But it does give us some pause, doesn't it? And first, the responsibility is a little frightening. (laughs) Wait, I don't want to be the voice of God. What if I make a mistake? Well, don't worry, it'll be okay. Because there's another way to hear God's voice that will help us. Another place to be with some people who had a very special relationship with God. The ones who wrote the Bible. Because all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. And as Peter said, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, the point of all this, you can trust the Bible. Because the Holy Spirit assured that what we got is the voice of God. The Bible is the voice of God. And by the way, it is the only absolutely sure way to hear his voice in this world. That's it. That's the one way you can be absolutely certain you're hearing the voice of God. Now, of course, we have to do more than just read the words. We don't want to be in the position of the Corinthian church when Paul had to say to them, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not yet ready. Ouch. Let's, let's not be like them. Rather, let's take Paul's instruction to Timothy and apply it to ourselves. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So how can you how can you learn God's word? Hear his written word better and not be ashamed of your understanding of the Bible. Well, you're here. <laughs> Listening to, to an exposition of the words, that's obviously a good start. And and you can get similar help to this uh, from radio teachers, uh, even some on TV or YouTube, but uh <clears throat> remember to do as John said, test their teaching because there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing out there. <laughs> But there's a lot of good teachers. I I love Ravi Zacharias and that whole ministry. There's a lot of good ones out there. So how do we hear God's voice in the Bible? Okay, well first, obviously read it. (laughs) I teach teach theology and and I I think my rule now is as soon as you've read the Bible through three times, we'll consider you maybe ready to study some more. Until you've done the Bible three times, you're really not ready. (laughs) You've got to read it a lot. The point of all this is that all this study of the Bible helps us to hear to an even 
finer degree our Savior's voice. Because we're going to go back to that question that we had at the very beginning. The Holy Spirit drove Paul to write, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So we make our requests known to God. How do we know what the answer is? (laughs) How can we even be sure we're making the correct request? John said, this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If we ask according to his will, we'll get the answer. So we're really back to the same issue. (laughs) If we're going to ask according to his will, we have to hear his voice. We know we can hear his voice in the pages of the Bible. But it is also possible to hear it in prayer. A little aside for you. You do know that worship music is a type of praying. That's what it is. We're using other people's words, but... You know, the truth is, sometimes they say it better than we can say it ourselves. So, it's okay. So, that's, that's your worship. That's your little extra today. <laughs> we don't have enough time to go all the way through prayer today, but I want to remind you of its importance with this admonition of Paul's. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So, what's God's will for you? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. So let's consider that pray without ceasing part. So prayer is a conversation. That means you speak some and you listen, hopefully more. (laughs) Pray without ceasing. No matter who you are speaking to, we should always be speaking for God. Everything should be, in that sense, a prayer. It's like this. The Bible was not written to us, written to the Corinthian church, to Timothy, to the Romans, to, but it was written for us. So everything we speak might not be to God, but it should be for God. And even even in the little things, you know, in life, you can practice hearing his voice. What do you think, God? Should I buy these? Did it, yeah, I didn't think you cared. Okay, good. I'll decide. <laughs> it might be the case. But you can constantly be trying little things. Should I go over to the store today? This? Should I go over and visit? Just constantly, constantly be asking and listening for the voice of God. It's amazing. It, it really does. And I certainly hope in the big things uh, that you're asking him. But always, always, we should be listening for his voice. God's not making robots. I don't know if you knew that. He's not making robots. He's making believers. And that's, that's why he wants to talk with us. We need to be listening for him. Mary <laughs> heard Jesus' voice. And so can we. Remember, she had heard Satan's voice before and never, ever wanted to listen to it again. Seven demons, yow! No matter how sweet Satan made it sound, she did not want to hear that voice again. 
And we need to be careful as well. Mary heard Jesus' voice because she was careful to be doing the right thing. She was in the right place at the right time. So let's us be doing the right things in the right places and with the right people. Even if that means denying ourselves. And in church, yes, of course, obviously with the church. The church is the people, not the building. Uh, And in the world. More importantly, in the Word. (laughs) Let's be there too. On our own, with others. We don't want to be ashamed, right? And always, ever, in some way, in prayer. Speaking always for God. Whether we are speaking to Him or to someone else. And listening for His voice. Because one day, one day, He's going to call your name. You do want to know it's him, right? (laughs) Let's listen for God.